eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me is Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. No Kip today. Kip is, uh, Kip's got an anniversary trip. And uh, he, he's taking a little time, and, and we are uh, we're fully supportive of that because uh, happy wife, happy life, all that jazz. And, and uh, we're happy for him that he's getting out there and, and getting a chance to see the world a little bit. I think he's in Toronto right now, so that's pretty cool for him. But we got a lot to talk about, Rusty, man. We got so much to get to. Uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of talk on the SEC championship game. No Georgia fans don't want to hear a ton about that. Uh, Bulldogs headed to the Sugar Bowl for the second straight year, 11 and two record after the SEC championship game. Uh, uh, coaching vacancy. Uh, Sam Pittman leaves to take the head coaching job at Arkansas, which uh, massive opportunity for him, and and really cool to see one of the good guys get a golden opportunity. Hope he kills it because he is. Uh, from my interactions with him, and and from everybody you talk to, is one of the best dudes out there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe what Georgia learned from the Sugar Bowl last year and, and maybe can, can kind of turn the worm a little bit uh, from, from what happened there. Rusty, before we get started, man, how's it going with you? Uh, what's that phone battery look like? Boy, yesterday was something, you know, kind of I, I worked a little small camp that I had agreed to a long time ago uh, at McEachern on Sunday morning. So got up uh, straight from the SEC championship game, went there, got home about one thirty or 2, felt like. I have a couple of hours trying to gather myself, maybe sneak a nap in and and uh, try to gather up what's going on for, for coaches on the road this week. And the first sign was about 3.30 that, that, hey, something might be going on here with Sam Pittman. And then, man, it for the next – I mean, literally uh, didn't blink again until like 11.30. And I stayed upstairs in my office the whole time and woke up this morning in my office about 4.30. So – and that's without any alcohol. That's just with coffee and and just just being up here all night. So, been a crazy twenty four hours. Um, nothing ever shocks me again. Did it surprise me? Yes, it did. But like you said, Jake, uh, great guy. Could not be happier for Sam Pittman, his wife Jamie. They have they are fantastic people. The people that have got to know them. And uh, listen, I was at the, the game with him a couple weeks ago for senior night. My daughter's a senior at Darlington. Tate Rattledge a senior night and. And I got a chance to talk to Coach Pittman for a little while. You know, he told me one day he's going to retire and go to Arkansas and uh, had a place on the lake and some property up there near a horse track. But looks like he went a few years earlier. Yeah, and it's one of those things, man, like if you don't, if you don't get it, like 
listen, man, Arkansas is not a great job right now. It's just not. I mean, they've they've had some tough tough times here the past five years, but at the same time, I mean, if you're Sam Pittman, shoot, man, worst case scenario, you put ten fifteen million dollars in the bank and you get a chance to see what you can do as a head coach. And then at the end of it all, if it doesn't work out, you're going to – I mean, they are going to line up to bring you in as an offensive line coach and pay you handsomely like they did, like Georgia was doing, right around $900,000 just to be an offensive line coach. So uh, it's all going to depend on the staff he can hire there. And uh, super happy to see him get that opportunity. I think that's what you want as a program. Now, I think some people oh, – you know, I, I put that out yesterday – at our uh, on our message board at the Dogs Twenty Four Seven Junkyard, that that this is what you want as a program. I think some people misunderstood that as, hey, Georgia's going to be better off without Sam Pittman. I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I think Georgia can make a great hire and pick up right where he left off, but uh, it's just what you want as a program. You want people coveting your coaches. You want coaches who are good enough to get jobs like this. And uh, this is a unique situation. We're gonna we're we're gonna dig into that here in just a little bit. But before we do that, Rusty. Um, one thing I want to bring up last day, folks, this is Monday last day to get 50% off an annual subscription to dogs 24 seven. All right. That means straight up six, six months for free. You can sign up for an entire year. You'll get the first six, you'll get six months for free. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenal deal. Uh, really, to be honest with you, like you, we, we've had this thing going for about a week. There's been an unbelievable response. It comes out to be less than $4.50 per month. And then when you look at it on the total, you know, the total package of it, $53.70 for a full month. That's with a coaching vacancy going on right now. Early signing period coming up here pretty soon. You're going to have national signing day, spring practice, preseason camp, all of next football season. For, for basically four hundred, sorry, for four dollars and fifty cents a month, or uh, you know, just the total amount there is is fifty three dollars and seventy cents. And uh, today's the last day to cash in on that. So if you've been waiting to pull the trigger and join us over there, we'd love to have you. We we would love to uh, come say hey to us on the message board, shoot us a direct message. Uh, we, we love having new folks around. That's what this is all about: building new relationships and uh, and putting out good content. And we're going to be doing that. Uh, to the best of our ability, and 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 we think we're all right at it. So uh, I know we put definitely put the work in. Uh, Rusty, jump into the SEC championship game real quick. We know Georgia fans don't want to hear a complete and utter breakdown of this thing, but uh, s- some of your thoughts, some hit some of the high spots for me as far as how that game went and and what you saw. Listen, you know, obviously we covered Georgia and we were there to watch Georgia, but I'll tell you this. Joe Burrow, one of the most impressive in-game performances I've ever seen, and I've watched a lot of football on the sidelines through the years. I've watched, I've watched a lot of NFL up close. I mean, that was one of the most uh, dominating performances from an individual that I have seen in person. And, man, he kept making play after play. Georgia, I mean, he hit a guy wide open in the second quarter who was going for a touchdown. I mean, he hit him on the money from about 50 yards, and he dropped it. I mean, that game could have been a lot worse at halftime than it was. Um, I'll say this, Georgia's defense held on as long as they could. I mean, they held on as long as they could. It was interesting on the the defensive philosophy that Georgia ran, which, you know, it worked for as long as they could. They felt like they could cover their guys. Uh, Auburn basically played the similar uh, situation. Georgia went with seven DBs, covered as long as they could, but, man, 
they just couldn't get to Burrow with three or four guys. Started calling blitzes, and when they did, he made them pay for it. So kind of like pick your poison, what was going to happen. But I felt like the defense overall gave what they had. Uh, you know, they, they, they got some stops in the red zone, field goals, uh, almost had a turnover there early. Uh, you know, for a while, LSU had problems running the ball, never really got consistent. But offense, man, it just they, – they, they missed some shots early. The, 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 I really think – and you really look back at, 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 a, at two plays for me, for me personally, two plays. The very first play of the game, you hit that ball and you got some huge momentum. I think it was the third drive on third down where Fromm – now, Fromm threw a, a dime to Tyler Simmons, and he just dropped it. I mean, it, that is what it is. But third down in midfield, and Dominique Blaylock's running wide open on a crossing route, and Fromm didn't hit him. It's the exact same route that I watched Jake Fromm hit Terry Godwin against Alabama in that same building. I went back and watched it. The exact same route, almost the exact same distance. He dropped on the money. Say what you want. I believe you hit that play there. That was seven to nothing. George is on the 20, 25 yard line. Like he could have ran for another 10, 15 yards and never know what happens. But man, Georgia had to play a perfect game to begin that thing in the fourth quarter. And after Dominique Blaylock went down, Kiaris Jackson went down. Look, DeAndre Swift was banged up. It wasn't happening. It was not happening. Um, the game got out of hand. Uh, I don't know that Georgia could beat LSU. I'll just be honest with you. But you give them their pieces of the puzzle, it would have been a lot more interesting game but they had to play damn near perfect because Joe Burrow was outstanding. He was. And coming into that game, Rusty, I, I thought that uh, the 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 uh, Rose Bowl a couple years ago was the best performance I'd ever seen in person of a quarterback. I, now, listen, I didn't I didn't cover Cam Newton or uh, or um, uh, Tim Tebow or anybody like that in person. Baker Mayfield had impressed me the most of any quarterback. I'd ever seen on a football field with my own two eyes. And uh, Joe Burrow surpassed that. Joe Burrow basically uh, moved to number one on my list of the the best individual performances I'd ever seen. Uh, his ability to get away from pressure was phenomenal. Uh, you know, I also think that, you know, you come into a game like that and, and you know, you do have Jake Fromm come out to open the game with a really good throw to Tyler Simmons and it's dropped. And then he kind of pulls the string on a uh, – on a post route to uh, to Demetrius Robertson, uh, your game of inches, you miss Matt Landers near the sideline. You had three chances early on in that game to get it going, uh, but but you know and then all of a sudden Joe Burrow on the opening drive gets the ball batted back in his face. He catches it and runs for 16 yards. I think you knew the deal right about then. Uh, and Georgia kept fighting. That's one thing I'll say about this Georgia team. Now, now. I know folks aren't interested in the silver linings, okay? And, and if you're not, and if and if you are interested a little bit, uh, it's probably not the first thing you want to think about right now. But Georgia went out there and got it handed to them, and at no point in that game was it a situation where uh, where Georgia lost its composure and did some did stupid stuff. I thought that was I thought that was a really good look for Georgia. They 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 kept fighting. They stayed aggressive. They kept playing hard, and they didn't let their emotions get the best of them. I thought that's the mark of a really talented, really disciplined team. It's one of those things, Rusty, where if you're an athletic director and you're looking at a coach, and I, and, and Kirby is no way in this position because uh, because he's I mean two two straight three straight eleven and one regular seasons, constantly in the college football playoff discussion, all that stuff. 
Um, when you look at it that way, if you're looking at a coach and wondering, hey, is this the right guy? I'm sure all athletic directors have that question in the back of their mind. The way Georgia handled that game, I, I mean, I think there's no question. I mean, he, he absolutely has control of the football team, and I thought that was a really good thing. You know, I also point to this. I don't know how much you remember from the 2012 beatdown at South Carolina. Georgia gets knocked around, and, and uh, you know, South Carolina just had it that day. That's just all there is to it. Georgia did not. But sometimes when you play in games like that, maybe you've got one, two, three opportunities that you've got to hit to stay in the ball game. The one that Dominic Blaylock you, you talked about was probably Georgia's last gasp there. But yep. they had two or three on that first drive, sure. the first play of the game, the, the throw to Robertson, maybe even the throw to Landers that we're talking about. Uh, yep. Those were your opportunities. Those were your opportunities to get that building buzzing, get it going, score on your opening drive, and say, hey, here to play. Georgia didn't make those plays, and you've got to make them. And, and listen, I know all the focus right now is – you know, on on James Coley and whether James – listen, we're not going to sit here and speculate on a guy's job. There are people out there who will do that, and we don't think we're better than them or anything like that, but that's just a choice we make, okay? We're not going to sit here and say, you know, this is why James Coley should be gone. This is why – but I will say this regarding James Coley, and I thought he had some – I thought he dialed up some good plays. I thought he got up some good stuff. I thought he put some guys in, in a good position – but I also subscribe to the fact that the execution, the result, the performance of an offense goes back to the coaches, and I'm sure that they feel that way too. It, yeah, you can put players in position, and, and they may not make the plays. But when coaches talk about, well, we didn't execute, or we didn't, you know, like Kirby Smart said after about the wide receiver group, they they just weren't dynamic enough at wide receiver in this game due to the injuries and the and, and the way that they are. Kirby Smart took responsibility for that saying that the management of the roster and, and getting the guys in and having depth and all that stuff is his job. So all of this goes back to there. Nobody's dodging that, but but ultimately there were opportunities in that game. Georgia missed them, and that's what happens when you miss opportunities against a good football team. Listen, I thought that you know you could take whatever you want, but Kirby Smart admitted in, in a way that, look, we, we don't have the wide receivers right now. I'm not making excuses for anybody because the offense was not consistent all year, and that is facts. They had spots where they were good. Majority, they had trouble scoring points, and I am not sugarcoating that. But I am here to tell you they've got to get some playmakers at wide receiver, and they lost a ton. And losing Jeremiah Hallman killed them. Losing Lawrence Cager was bad. Losing Dominique Blaylock was bad. Finally get Kyrus Jackson – you know, healthy, get him in the game, and he gets hurt. They were down to nothing. Again, I'm gonna tell you, I, I don't know that Georgia could beat LSU. I, I really don't with the way Burrow's playing. But Saturday, if you're going to make some assumptions based off that game, man, Georgia was half-cocked on offense. And DeAndre Swift banged up. I mean, it was obvious his touches were in space. And, you know, that man, run, that man was running out of bounds and did what he could. So – I'm not making any excuses, but I, I think the, the thing you take away from that is Kirby Smart said in a press conference, we got to do a better job of managing our roster and at wide receiver. And they've got it, they've got it, they've got to turn that. Uh, and I'm interested to see what happens. But again, like I've said on the board, and you, and you just said, we're not going to speculate on the job. The man is the offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia, and he's still the offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia right now, and he's recruiting on the road 
as we speak on a Monday. So that's facts, and that's what we know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll add this, too. Uh, just, just because we're not going to sit here and speculate on it doesn't mean that – I mean, shoot, we're going to cover it. I mean, if, if it happens and, and we start to hear that Georgia wants to make a change, we're going to cover that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. For me, the jury's still out. And I know some have their mind made up already. I'll say this, though, about offensive coordinator. Um, about 25% of the time, Max, is a, is a program going to be fully satisfied with the offensive coordinator? I mean, Georgia has won a ton of ball games over the past three years, and a very small portion of the fan base has been happy with the offensive coordinator. And so – that that just goes to show you, like it's one of the most scrutinized positions on on the in the game, and I say that understanding it. I say that not saying like, "Hey, folks, you're delusional." You're not. I mean, it's it's offensive play con. There are some guys out there that that are so good at it that you just you you put everybody up beside them, and it's just not it's just not easy to sit there and watch it. I get it. I get the entertaining element of it all like uh you know you everybody wants to win but not a lot of team not a lot of people want to win like georgia did this year now not a lot of people want to grind it out and 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 do it that way a lot of, not a lot of people to be honest with you loved winning games you know averaging seven yards of carry and, and and just having to pound teams into the dirt either i mean georgia went out in 2017 and just gashed everybody and the first time they come up short it's all on the offensive coordinator and uh, you know you tend to kind of forget all the all, all the good things that happen and all the blowouts and all the way they dominated their rivals and things like that. So it's a uh, it's a tough position, and and we'll cover it if if there's a change there for sure. But right now, what we do know, Rusty, is Georgia's going to be looking for an offensive line coach. And let me tell you, um, Sam Pittman did a tremendous job at Georgia, and because he did a tremendous job at Georgia, this line is going to be long. Take a number if you want to become Georgia's offensive line coach because Kirby Smart's probably going to have his pick of the litter as far as this one goes. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, uh, you start looking about people thinking about, listen, the minute Sam Pittman was gone, and we'll never know who, Kirby Smart's phone blew up. There is no question. The minute the rumors were out there, it blew up. This isn't a job where Kirby Smart is going to have to go out and call five or six guys and say, hey, are you interested? This is like Kirby Smart's going to decide who's going to get an interview, much less the job. That room is stacked. There's NFL guys in that room. So, um, you know, <clears throat> you don't want to lose a Sam Pittman. Understand why he, he left. But uh, the next guy is going to be beating down the door to come to University of Georgia, and he's going to love Sam Pittman. Uh, if they can keep this 2020 class together, which sounds like they got a good chance at this time to, um, you know, this guy is going to, you know, this guy is going to hug his wife and say, babe, we're going somewhere special, and I'm about to coach one of the best rooms I'm ever going to step in, and that's because of Sam Pittman. You know that uh, you, you know that you got a good situation when, when, when the man tells his wife, Hey, I can't pass this up. We're, we might need to think about moving to Athens because, uh, you know, you've got a room full of guys and, and, a, and a recruiting class, Rusty, that a lot of the groundwork's been laid already. I mean, Sam Pittman, listen, these guys want to play for Sam Pittman, 
But part of that, no, no coach out there can sit there and rely on me, me, me. You just can't do that. Now, I'm sure there's an element of that to, to playing for Sam Pittman. I'm sure there are a lot of Georgia players that are Georgia current players, Georgia offensive linemen that are disappointed that Sam Pittman's going to be gone because they love the guy. But you don't sell it on yourself. You got to make them fall in love with the place too. Um, you know, I, I could, you know, I'm a married man and everything, but you know, I could, I could move to, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to live in, let's just say Atlanta, because God, I hate the place. I can't stand being in traffic. I wouldn't live in downtown Atlanta with Emily Ratajkowski in a in a crappy apartment. I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I'm, I just, I wouldn't do it. Uh, the, she doesn't mean anything. You got to have the place too, and Georgia's got the place, and Sam Pittman helped sell them on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on. I made a post on the Arkansas board. You know, I, I, he was one of the few guys that I always asked recruits, like, you know, what was it about him? And it was the same thing. Man, one of Sam Pittman's best sales, if you came on the campus as a prospect, he told you to go talk to his players. Go talk to my players. If I'm the same guy that recruited them, they're going to tell you one way or the other. And when a guy tells you a recruit to go talk to my players – He's awfully damn confident in his product and who he is. That's a very, very, very strong sale. Relationship builder. Uh, just just knowing a couple of these kids really close, he's recruited, man, this guy's fantastic. He'll do a great job there at Arkansas. Uh, he's got to get some key pieces you know, around him, support staff, that type of thing. But uh, like you said, man got paid regardless of where he is down the line. Um, he's financially um, hit the lottery last night, and that's that's facts. All right, we're going to jump into a break real quick. When we come out on the other side, we're going to talk about maybe some candidates to replace him. Not necessarily guys we've heard, but we're going to each kind of talk about a guy that we feel like would be a good fit. And then we're going to get into Georgia and the Sugar Bowl and what it means this time around because it's Georgia learned some lessons last year, and Kirby Smart had some really interesting stuff to say on the uh, on the Sugar Bowl conference call last night that I want to go over. Uh, but before that, let's let's uh, let's let these folks read the ads, pay some bills, and uh, we'll talk to you here in just a second. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right rusty uh give me a guy 
that you think is a really good fit here? Not necessarily anybody you've heard about. Or I mean, it's so early. We're, we're, we're about 12 hours out right now, maybe less than that, maybe a little bit more. But uh, wh- who's a guy that you think would be a really good fit uh, to kind of fill those big shoes? Well, obviously, you know, the name, the first name that kind of popped up. Again, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't I don't know 100% that Matt Luke um, is involved. I know that following recruiting, he's a guy that, that has done well. He did well at, you know, recruiting guys at Duke that, that wind up playing in the NFL. He did a good job of recruiting guys at Ole Miss to play his position. The kids liked him. You know, he's been an offensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. He's got a lot of experience he can bring into that room. I, I think – from what I know of him, is a lot of, you know, like Sam Pittman's personality. He's really, really, really a player's coach. You could see that passion in him, regardless of how things turned out at Ole Miss. Uh, you could see where the players really, really played hard for him. And, you know, I, I think that would be a good fit to the group that Sam Pittman has and that and left in that building. So you look at Matt Luke. Uh, you know, and, and what he brings to the table, the intangibles, I think, I just think he'd be a good fit. And I'm not saying he, you know, just because he's probably the most known name, but I do think early on, just looking at some people, I think he'd be a good fit. I think he'd be a recruit state of Georgia. And, and I think he'd be able to use his ties in the South as well. Yeah, that, I think that is the no brainer, really. To I mean, and, and that's not a criticism. That's just. I mean that was that was the first name that popped up and and I think the offensive coordinator experience there the co-offensive coordinator in a different scheme the different ideas you know listen working with Rich Rodriguez and I know the shine has kind of worn off there of him you know since West Virginia but Rich Rodriguez is probably the godfather of the shotgun run game I mean he he revolutionized the shotgun run game and and he's a guy that that has done such a tremendous job of of being creative, of developing timing, of of, of uh, working blocking schemes, and figuring out different ways to take uh, to occupy blockers without having to put a man on them and things like that. So I think he's a guy that that you know ha- having worked with Luke and him learning from that, him learning with, with Dan Werner, working with Hugh Freeze, who say what you want about the morals and and what was going on there at Ole Miss, but but is a fantastic offensive mind. Um, you know, Matt Luke is is the type of guy that if you're a Georgia fan, and let's say you're a, you're say you're a James Coley critic, all right. Let's say that you are just a James Coley critic, and and you want him gone or whatever. Bringing a guy like Matt Luke in with his offensive coordinator experience, with his diversity and and some of the some of the new ideas he could bring in is something that could revamp Georgia's offense, no matter who's calling the plays. Don't know if he would call the plays. Don't know if anybody else would call the plays if he came in as a co-offensive coordinator or something like that. But he's a guy that could bring in a lot of new ideas, a lot of new schemes, and and bring some exciting stuff to your run game. And I think the passing game too. And I think that's that's something that could be really important. You know, somebody at the dogs twenty four seven junkyard, and and I don't have a, a chance to to pull it up right now, but they brought up the idea that Steve Ensminger, uh, who who was who is LSU's you know uh, offensive coordinator. You know, LSU fans weren't all that excited about him last year, and then LSU didn't get rid of him. They just brought in a new mind. They brought in a new offensive mind to help out Joe Brady, who is as good of a wide receivers coach as he is an offensive mind because those are the best coach wide receivers I've ever laid eyes on. Uh, he, that that dynamic made LSU better, and and Matt Luke 
could prof, could possibly do that same thing for Georgia. I mean, he could possibly be that little bit of a boost, that little bit of a, a of an influx of ideas and 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 fresh ideas that could help Georgia out there. So I definitely see that one as a good fit. I'm going to go a little bit more with a guy that has ties with Kirby, and I'm going to say Jeff Stoutland. At, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, he's been there for a while. He's helped develop one of the best offensive lines in, in, in football there. But the Eagles are struggling right now. And it's one of those things where if, if you know, I don't know if Kirby's going to give him a call, but I do know this. I watched Jeff Stoutland's offensive line. That was talented. Cyrus Quanjo, DJ Fluker, Chance Warmack, Barrett Jones all work against Georgia in the 2012 SEC championship game. I was in person for that one. Jeff Stoutland can coach. Jeff Stoutland can recruit, and I think he he would be a really, really uh, good guy to have in that spot. I think he, he's not necessarily from an idea standpoint, but from just a and, – and the ideas would be there too. Working with Doug Peterson, one of the premier offensive minds in the NFL – I mean, this guy, you look at Nick Foles this year and kind of what he's doing in Jacksonville and what Doug Peterson was able to do with Nick Foles there in Philadelphia. You know, he's a great offensive coach here, so uh, great offensive coach there. So, you know, Stoutland, some of that may have rubbed off on him, and he can bring some fresh ideas to UGA too. But I like him just strictly from a development standpoint and a recruiting standpoint from his success that he had at Alabama. He hadn't been in the college game for – you know, more than half a decade now, so that might be a little bit of a concern. But if that possibility's out there, I think he could also uh, be a really good fit. Any any thoughts on him? I know, like I said, I know it's been a while since he's been in the college game. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say about Kirby, he in my he's going to bring somebody that can recruit. It's so important to him, and that position is so important. Obviously, that program. So he's going to know Jeff Style. He's going to know what kind of recruiter he is. So if he believes he's that guy, then that certainly can be a name. But I feel confident that whoever Kirby Smart hires, he's going to be confident and he's going to know this guy can recruit. Listen, there's offensive line coaches that are hell of coaches that don't really recruit. And that's okay at some places, but I'm going to tell you, in University of Georgia and Kirby Smart, you're going to have to be able to recruit. You're probably going to have to be a proven recruiter or somebody's going to stand on the table and say, Kirby, that guy can flat out do it. And uh, I just think it's going to be important for Kirby to get a a good mixture of a really, really good offensive line coach and a really, really good recruiter. Uh, just get your quick thoughts here before we move on. What do you think about the pace of this thing? Is Because Kirby has taken his time in the past. He's absolutely you know, made sure that, that he took his time. You know, Charleston Warren – is a really good example there. Several guys on his initial staff, um, but with these five guys committed, uh, do you do you think he might move a little quicker on this? What's your gut feeling on that? Man, it's hard to tell, but this one this one's interesting because what there are nine days left, uh, one official visit weekend left. You know, th- this one to me, uh, and Kirby has shown historically he'll take his time and do what he thinks he needs to do. So if he were to get a slam dunk guy, it would not surprise me to have a plug in place in and ready for this weekend. But also it wouldn't surprise me if the guy said, listen, just trust me. I'm going to, I'm going to make the right hire. Um, and, um, you know, you, you came to university of Georgia for a reason. Sam Pittman was one of them, but also the program also, you know, the education, you know, believing in Kirby smart himself. I mean, he's having to sell himself again to these players. Trust me, I'm going to get this right. So, 
maybe he goes past. My gut feeling here is this is going to be done, I think, uh, before National Signing Day. Could be wrong. I just feel like Kirby probably knows what he's looking for, and I bet you last night, man, his phone blew up. One interesting nugget I will say, because I just I just searched it while you were talking, is Jimmy Sexton does represent Matt Luke. So the, the, there won't have to be too hard of a uh, phone call to find out what's going on there if he is a true uh, potential candidate. Yeah, and and want to get you to clarify something real quick. When you say National Signing Day, you mean early signing period? That is National Signing Day for me now. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I mean – the one, in, the one I wouldn't cut your words apart there. I just, I just wanted to make sure that everybody else knew that. Sure. National signing day for me is in December. Now, you know, you go get your big plate of when you're at Thanksgiving, you get your big plate of turkey and dressing and all the sides and all that. That's December. Then you sneak back in there, you know, after a little hour nap and then try to get a piece of that pecan pie around February. That that's what that is. What's left? Uh, there, there's some good. There's some good slices left. But that main course is in December, and that's nine days from now. Yeah, no doubt. I, I kind of more see the the February signing day as the uh, as that turkey sandwich, a little bit of mustard, a little bit of a little bit of ham and turkey on it. Maybe spread you some dressing on there. That's uh, it can be as big as you want it to be, and uh, it's been big for Georgia in the past. I mean, they they've gotten some guys on that second signing day, the first Wednesday of February. Uh, the last two years, those have been just massive days for Georgia. Not necessarily from a number standpoint, but from from the guys they've gotten. Uh, let's move on to the Sugar Bowl here real quick before we let everybody go. And Rusty, dude, I don't want to ever put too much on a bowl game. And this is not a must win. This is not a turning point in the program. But after what happened last year, after you hear Solomon Kinley come out and say, we had the big head. We took Texas lightly. We weren't ready to play. We didn't know, you know, that maybe that was just some frustration on his part because he hates losing. But to me, this one, this one, there, there's a little importance to this one. This was not just an exhibition game. Uh, this is a game where where Georgia really needs to win it. And before I, I, I toss it to you, I want to uh, get to something that Kirby Smart had to say, and I thought it was really interesting last night on the conference call because he was asked a couple of times about his team's motivation. And the first time, he didn't really cut it loose. You know, the first time it was more of like a, just kind of a coach-speak answer, which I thought was really interesting. But the second time that he was asked about it, uh, he, he had a, I'm, I, to be honest with you, I, I, it kind of blew me away. And, and we'll have a story up on this, um, you know, the, the, here later today from, from Palmer Toms. Uh, you know, he, Kirby said, uh, what I found out last year was, was that for a lot of kids, it was the most important game of their season. It meant so much to them. And then maybe for some others, it didn't. And you've got to find a way. you got to take the guys that are engaged and excited about playing because that matters a whole lot more than how good they are. To me, man, that that was huge. And then he also said before that, we learned a lot of things. The first thing we did when we when we got back last year we got a bunch of notes written up by every coach and every support staff member on things we could do better or different or, or different to put ourselves in a position to not put ourselves in that situation again. If you're playing in a non-playoff situation, we've got some ideas. We'll look at those. The bottom line is it's your job to go play football and get get a great opportunity. There's a lot of teams across the country that would be dying to play in a game like this, and we're going to sell it that way. So it seems to me like, you know. 
I was hearing uh, um, Trevor Maddich talk about it last night from a competition standpoint. You've got to be ready to play this football game. You've got to go out there because you've got a 300-pound man on the other side that wants to bust your nose. And uh, I think this one's a little bit bigger than maybe last year's was. All that is I, I understand and I agree. But, Jake, you and I both know that those kids in that locker room are going to determine how they play. They can use all the motivational tools they want, and they can say this, and they can show the videos of Texas winning and what that felt like coming home. It's going to come down to are those kids motivated to play in a non-playoff game after losing the weight? Do they want to finish the year with that bad taste in their mouth and let it beat them twice? Or do they want to correct this thing and be 12-2? and two? And, and it's, a, it's going to say a lot about What's left in that locker room? You know, is J.R. Reed going to play in the bowl game? You know, I'm not expecting DeAndre Swift or Andrew Thomas. I'm looking at guys like J.R. Reed. Is he going to play? Uh, if, what if Isaiah Wilson declares, is he going to play? So what type of leadership are they going to have in this game and, and how the locker room is going to be handled um, to be there? You know, I, I know that Andrew Thomas is a guy, DeAndre Swift's a guy that's, you know, there's the, some of the leaders too. And uh, even though they're not playing, like DeAndre Baker, I'm sure they'll be there. I'm sure they'll be rooting on their teammates, that type of thing. So we're going to read a lot about this in the next month, next three weeks or whatever it is. To me, it comes down to simple one simple thing. Are the kids in that locker room motivated within themselves to go play and say, we're not going to finish this? Because I go back to the story of Nick Chubb walking into Kirby Smart's office the day he told him he's coming back said, Coach, Losing to Georgia Tech is not going to be my last memory of playing at the University of Georgia. Are those kids going to say losing to LSU and losing to Baylor are going to be the last memory for me on this team? We're going to find out. I'm 100% with you on those players determining it. And, and I think you go as far as to say that, yeah, there are going to be some players on the field uh, on January 1st, 8.45 p.m. that won't be on Georgia's team next year, but this is on – well, it's like the 2020 season opener because you get the vibe from that Kirby quote, Rusty, that, hey, if they get the idea that this senior or this junior that has started, you know, 13 games for them already this year is not with it, they're going to sure. play somebody else. Sure. They're going to, they're going to, there are a lot of guys out there who, who have played three games or less sure. that they will gladly run out there and see what they got. And, and, and like he said, it's more important that they want to be there. It's more important that they want to play than how much experience or talented, talent they've got. And to me, I think that – I don't think that's a motivational ploy. I just think that is something that during bowl practice – because there are a lot of bowl practices, and there are a lot of them here back in Athens. Basically what they'll do is they will – they will. They probably won't start working on Baylor till a couple of days before they break for Christmas. They'll spend probably, I don't know, eight nine practices just focusing on themselves and like a spring practice or a fall camp type situation. And if if they're gonna work some guys and some reps, see what they got, see what see what they've learned throughout the season because some of that doesn't get to happen when they're preparing for a game. And and if they're gonna do that, then. They're going to see what some guys have, and and it, there's going to be some competition for some playing for some playing time for some spots, and I think that in and of itself, you know, approaching it that way maybe a little bit more than they may have last year, 
might end up having a bigger effect on this game and, and, and causing Georgia to come out a little bit more with their hair on fire and playing a little bit better. Sure. And, and, and that's invaluable, taking notes and, and learning off lessons. You know, listen, Georgia played in the Liberty Bowl, Kirby Smart's first year. They went up there and won. Played in the Rose Bowl the second year, won. Nash Championship, got beat last play of the game. You go to the Sugar Bowl, things don't turn out well. Take lessons from that year, and you go to the next. So all this is a, is a, is a process and a learning uh, tool for Kirby Smart and his staff. So, you know, this is a, this is a year, second year in a row. They're not in the playoff, but they're in a, a, a big bowl game, New Year's Day 6. Great opportunity to showcase your program. You'll be the primetime game that night. So we'll see. We'll see if those kids are ready to play. And yeah, that that's that's where the rubber meets the road for Georgia. Um, they they got to find a way to get 30, 40, 50 players engaged and ready to play this game, and it can carry over in the next season. You know, finishing twelve and two is 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 a good mark. And not only would it be finishing twelve and two, is Georgia would probably finish inside the top four. If that happens, if, let's say Oklahoma loses, Georgia's got a chance to move up and 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 end the season as a as the number four team in the country, uh, and 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 do some special things this year. I mean, listen, I know that that Georgia made the playoff a couple years ago, and I'm not saying I told you so necessarily when I say that there were a lot of Georgia fans, Twitter, Facebook, message boards, saying at that time that Georgia was playing with house money, and I, I bucked against that. I said, you know. There's no such thing. When you get there, you want to win it because it's hard to get back. It's hard to do it. And with two more talented teams, uh, especially at least on paper, Georgia hasn't gotten back. So winning these games and, and, and just, just winning in general and, and going into the offseason with, with a little bit of an upstroke I think is absolutely huge. And uh, that's what kind of makes this this Sugar Bowl a little bit bigger. I also think that, I mean, they're just playing a higher-ranked team. I mean, you want to end this season with with four wins over top 15 teams? That's huge. I mean, that that's a really, that you know, for all the adversity that Georgia faced this year with injuries and the guys that left and, and losing the SEC championship the way it did, losing to South Carolina the way it did, you look back on this year and you say, "Hey, Georgia won. Georgia won four games against top fifteen teams. That's that's a feather in the cap." And and I think that 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 makes this game a little bigger. It's not going. I'm not saying if Georgia loses it, here goes the program circling the drain. I just think there's something to gain from this, and and uh, we'll see if they treat it that way. Let's talk about the plan a little bit for the rest of the week. Obviously, Georgia hires an offensive line coach, or there's more coaching staff turnover. We're going to come to you guys. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we plan on coming back one more time this week, regardless of that, to talk about a few other things, maybe some recruiting going into a big weekend. Uh, but we will be back this week. That's our plan. Um, hopefully uh, a, a flood of news doesn't get in the way. Hopefully it does, maybe, but if it's the right kind of news and it's the news everybody wants to hear. But we will. We do plan on being back this week. But for this episode, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. Uh, with me has been Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7, and this is the Junkyard Dogcast. Take care, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 